Thanks for joining us. The following is a presentation of Ignite Global Ministries and features the teaching of Pastor Ben Dixon. Pastor Ben has a vision of strengthening the church to impact the world, and he serves as lead pastor at Northwest Foursquare Church in Federal Way, Washington. Hearing God and the Bible. Hearing God and the Bible. So let's go ahead and pray as we open the word of God together this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. And we just declare that it is powerful to change our lives. It is a lamp unto our feet. It is a light unto our path. You show us where we are. You show us where we're going. And we pray that you would change and transform us in your presence to be the people that you've called us to be. I pray that you would use our gathering, this teaching, and our time together for your purposes in our life. Would you encourage us and instruct us and convict us? Do everything that you want to do. Lord, we give this time over to you, and we thank you that you're going to use it for your glory. In Jesus' mighty name, and God's people said, Amen. Amen. I opened the series, and I talked about the relationship that we have through Jesus Christ. Jesus came. He gave his life. And because of his death, burial, resurrection, us believing upon him, he reconnects us, reestablishes us in our relationship to our heavenly father. God being our father is the relationship that you and I were created for, and it is in that context for which we will always hear God. God speaks to us as a good father, and this is so vital for us to understand, and we need to be reminded of it again and again and again. I talked about hearing God is for everyone, and I did somewhat of a bird's eye view of the Old Testament, the life of Jesus, and the New Testament where the Holy Spirit speaks to and through believers in Christ. And why that was so important is that you cannot read this book without being convinced that God has always spoken to people. I don't even know how it could become a conclusion of someone's life other than to say, God put everything he wanted us to know in here and that's it. No more interaction, no more personal communication, that's it. But when you read this book, you're convinced that God again and again and again was very personal with people. He spoke to people. And so it it would be a confusing thing to think that the God that we serve and believe in today is the same God in this book if nothing of the, no, nothing of the sort happens in and among our lives. And so I showed you and shared with you that it is a biblical norm for God to speak to us. But that doesn't necessarily settle all of the issues because we should and we will have lots of questions. And that's really why I want to talk to you about this today. I want to talk to you about how the Bible and hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit personally go together. They are not in competition, but they do have different purposes, and I want us to understand that so that we have an understanding, especially when people are talking to us and saying, well, God only speaks in his word. We understand what we believe. We understand what we mean when we say God speaks to us, and we also understand what we don't mean. And so I've got about 500 different points today that I want to make to you. And you seem very ready for that. (laughs) But let me go ahead and start with telling you what I am not saying, because I think that is also very important. We are not saying when we talk about God speaking to us or communicating to us, that God is still adding to his word. That would be called extra biblical revelation. That is not what we mean. God, this word is closed. 
What God wanted us to know and have in the foundation of his word is meant for every person, for every generation, for all people, for all time. It is unchanging. We are not talking about God adding another chapter to this book. We honor this book as the unique voice of God, so that is not what we're saying. Secondly, we are not saying that God changes his mind. It's very popular today for people to talk about how maybe ancient folks from times past must have got it wrong. They wrote down things that they thought God was saying, and so the Bible all of a sudden becomes irrelevant or wrong, and we're just smarter today, and we know better today, and we understand things that other people didn't understand today because God certainly couldn't be like that, right? So half of this is just completely irrelevant. We are not saying that at all. God has not changed his mind. This word is unchanging. And we might call that unbiblical revelation. We are not saying, number three, that God only speaks to a few. We might call that special revelation. That there are some very anointed people that can hear God unlike everybody else. I am so annoyed whenever I hear some preacher, pastor, priest, motivational speaker talk about the secret. There's a secret that only I know, and if you just listen long enough to me, you too will know the secret that only I know. Well, ladies and gentlemen, here's the secret. You can know all of the secrets, and you don't need to pay me to say that. You've heard this from me. I'll go ahead and keep going. We are not saying, number four, that God wants to confuse people. We might call that odd revelation. Now, I do not think that when God communicates to us that we need some cryptic code to understand some strange, odd thing that just comes out of people's mouths. We all know that there are times where God might give a dream or he might give a vision and there's a level of interpretation that is necessary for that. We see that in scripture, but there are times and there are places and there are people that are constantly saying crazy, strange, weird, odd things that are not from God. And we just need to admit that because God is trying to communicate to us for a purpose. God wants us to understand what he is saying. He's not interested in confusing people. He's not interested in throwing things out and say, hey, I hope you know what I'm talking about. And so this is what I might call odd revelation. And that's, these, these are not things that I'm, I'm saying as we continue down the road in this conversation. Depending on your background, you may not realize how you are affected by the thoughts and the views that you might uh, have heard from somebody, some well-meaning, godly person may have taught you growing up that this is how it works and this is the perspective that you ought to have. And maybe directly or indirectly, you've condemned the idea that God speaks to people today. It could be that you cringe when I talk about it. It could be that anybody that says the Lord spoke to them sort of sets something off on the inside of you, or maybe there's just a skepticism, a cynicism that you have. Yes, even in our church, doesn't matter what the title of the church is or the name of the church or the brand of the church, I have, I have met many people, and I appreciate it when we're honest about that, when we get sort of tired and weary of folks saying things like, God spoke to me, God told me, and sometimes they're well-meaning, but a good adjustment in language could help us all embrace better what we might be saying. And I think for us to do that, we have to just go back to our foundation. And I, I think it is vital for us to understand first the purpose of the Bible. What is the purpose of the Bible? And, and when we know the purpose of the Bible, we understand 
what we mean when we're talking about the Holy Spirit communicating to us personally. This will clear up a lot of confusion that exists. And so I just simply want to maybe help us understand that a little bit better today. Now, I want to use a silly illustration. I'm going to do it. I know you don't want me to, probably, but I'm going to do it anyways because I have the microphone. (laughs) One day I was thinking about how the Bible and the voice of the Holy Spirit, how these work together. And I thought of baseball. Now, I like baseball. I do not like watching baseball on television because it's so slow. It's just so slow. It's like, what? It's like 150 innings. I don't, I don't, I I just, you know. But if you want to take me to a baseball game and pay for it, good seats, I'll pray about it. I do like baseball. I played baseball growing up. Basketball is really my game. I like basketball. That's why I love the fact that we have a gym. But that's neither here nor there. It's just a fact. But I was thinking about if you go to majorleaguebaseball.com, I think it's mlb.com, you can actually download the, rule, the baseball rule book. There is a rule book for Major League Baseball that every team, no matter what division they're from, they all have to play according to the rule book. And it defines how the game is played, how many pitches are thrown, infield, fly rules, all of the various aspects of baseball are thoroughly and completely defined by the MLB rule book. And you can, you can dispute it, but it doesn't matter because it's all written down in stone. Now, we also know that every team has some kind of language that they form within the parameters of the rule book. Like pitchers and catchers have this language, you know, one finger down, two fingers, a hand. Sometimes you see the first base coach, the third base coach, and they do all all this stuff, you know, it's super weird. But the goal of that developing that language is for them to play the same game that everybody is playing effectively. And so they develop their own language for the purpose of communication. And it it doesn't have any competition with the rule book. And I think that's a good illustration for what I want to talk about today. I mean, it falls short by parallel, but it is good to say that we all live by this word as Christians. This is the same for every person in this room, no matter whether they believe it or not. This is the same for every generation, every culture, every nation. This book is the same. It may be a different language in different places, but it is the same for all of us. But the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us in time and history, to our hearts, in our generation, to help us to live out the Christian life that is defined in the Word of God effectively, which is why we need the Word of God and we need the voice of the Holy Spirit. There are things that the Bible will not tell us, and you have to understand what I mean by that. The Bible is very clear about you and I being connected to a local church, But there's like a hundred churches in this area. So we want the Holy Spirit to direct us to the church that he wants us to be a part of. The Bible says in three or four different places that we have spiritual gifts. But what spiritual gifts do we have? What ministry do we have? Who is it that God wants us to speak to? What are the things that are on his heart today? So we wake up with this sense in which the Holy Spirit wants to talk to us about what we already know he's called us to be about. And this is vital for us to grab a hold of this, that you and I need the word, and we also need the voice of the Holy Spirit to direct us in the word. And this is so, so important. So it never, ma- it never makes sense to me when people say, well, if you want God to talk to you, all you need is the Bible. And it's like, tell that to the Pharisees, you know? I mean, seriously. The, the reality is, is that you, you and I need more than just to open the Bible as though it's a textbook and it's all about how smart we are. The Holy Spirit 
is the one through people who authored the word, and we still need the author to help us understand the word. It's vital for us to grab a hold of that. The Bible gives us an eternal standard to help us know and understand various things. Here's what the Bible, the purpose of the Bible actually is. And there's many other things. I'm just going to list a few. The purpose of the Bible is to show us who God is, who God really is, not who I think him to be, not who I want him to be. And I hear people say things like, well, that's not the God that I serve. Well, I hope the God that you serve is the same God that's revealed in scripture. Otherwise, we're making up our own God. And by the way, you just can't do that. God's God and, and we're not. So this is his supremacy. It reveals who, what God is like, his character, his nature, and his virtue. So that when anybody is saying, well, this is what God's like and this is what God's not like, we have this standard for all of us that we have to make sure our words line up to who it is that God, what God is actually like according to scripture. The Bible shows us who we are as human beings, what we are, how we were created, why we were created. And that helps us to not just wander around in, in this life, but to know that God has a purpose for us and it is connected to all that he is doing and always has been. It also shows us what our purpose is and God's perspective of that. It shows us our history, the fall of man, our creation, his plan of redemption, a salvation through Jesus Christ, the power, the ministry, the life of the Holy Spirit, what God is up to in our days. It gives us a level of understanding of how all this is going to go down in the end. Not, not a lot, but it gives us enough. It shows us our purpose in this world and our hope for life to come. That this is not all that there is, but that death is just the beginning into the doorway of what the Bible calls eternal life. That you and I have life eternal, and this is not all that there is. Praise God, we need the word. It is an anchor for every person in this room. This is the purpose of the Bible. And the Bible is God's voice for everyone. It's a unique voice the unique voice of God for all people, for every generation, for all time. The Bible is a library of 66 books. I'm throwing out some facts. Here we go. Almost like I just read Joshua McDowell's evidence that demands a verdict, and I might have done that. <laughs> and you should too. The Bible is a library of 66 books written by over 40 authors involving three different languages, spanning a time period of 1,500 years, and the more you and I study it, the more we realize many of these authors couldn't and didn't communicate. Come on, that's a supernatural work of God bringing his word together that the fabric of what we read today, what is on our shelves, maybe collecting dust, no judgment, but maybe it is that this book is absolutely 100% supernatural. Maybe the more that we study it, the more that we understand how it was formed, how it came together, that we realize that this book that we have so much of, I mean, I've, I don't know how many copies that I have of this book is more than a book. And the only way that you could say it's not is if you just don't know. People argue it, but they just don't know. The Bible contains multiple accounts of history, hundreds of fulfilled, yet to be fulfilled prophecies, ancient proverbs, poetry, important first century letters, and it has this unity of subject and structure and content, this beautiful message from beginning to end, and how all this lines up, nobody could actually pre-plan it 
in ancient times unless there was an author behind it all. And you know it when you read this and you realize there was no text messaging, no emails, <laughs> no editors that the versions were being sent to. I mean, this was just something that God brought about by his power. And I'll tell you this, we cannot understand what God is saying personally through the Holy Spirit unless we know what God has said in his word. And one of the reasons why people can get off on what they think God is saying to them is because they don't know this very well. And so it's easy to get deceived and it's easy to not know the voice of the Lord. It's easy to follow a different path when we're not giving the Holy Spirit much to work with in our own lives. Could I compel you to be in his word, to know his word, to study his word, to live in his word? Look at what the apostle Peter said while he affirmed many of the things that I just mentioned. Second Peter chapter one, verse 19 he says, so we have the prophetic word made more sure to which you would do well to pay attention to as a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. He's talking about the coming of Christ, the morning star rising in your hearts. But know this, first of all, that no prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. Make note of that. No prophecy of scripture. There is a difference between the prophecies written in this book and the prophecies we give from this stage. We give prophecies written from this stage that need to be weighed, that need to be discerned, that need to be thought through. But the prophecies that are written in this book were not of anyone's interpretation. They are without mixture. They are breathed from God's spirit himself. There is a distinction that we must understand that when we use the word prophecy in the New Testament sense, we are talking about what we believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to us about congregationally, specifically, circumstantially. It is not for every generation spanning all time periods for all people that it is his word that does not fade. This is not what we're talking about. He goes on to say, for no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will. Speaking of prophecy of scripture, but men moved by the Holy Spirit, they spoke from God. Now Peter was a direct disciple, eyewitness of Jesus, and he saw the coming glory on the Mount of Transfiguration. He saw Jesus turn into a bright white light right in front of him. Can you imagine that? When he wrote this, he's being reminded of he saw the glory of the Lord transfigured right in front of him. Jesus transforms into this bright Light, I mean, just emanating from him was the, the light, the glory of the Lord, the Shekinah of God. He saw this. He saw Jesus resurrected from the dead. He could affirm the Old Testament prophecies because he saw them fulfilled in his life with his eyes. And so he's saying this about what he knew to be true. He wrote this letter, 1 Peter, to established churches, many of them undergoing at least verbal persecution or quite a bit more. He was reminding them of the authority of the scripture because there were false prophets and false teachers that were entering into the church seeking to lead people astray. And he was pulling their hearts and he was pulling their minds back to the truth of God's word. And he's reminding them that no prophecy of scripture is of one's own interpretation. There are many men, many women running around with their own ideas and their own thoughts, but but this word is true. You can count on it. It's been tested. It's been tried. It's been true. And it is true. And Peter's reminding them of this in the midst of their struggle. He says that men were moved by the Holy Spirit, which is very much like the wind in a sail of a boat that carries the boat from one place 
to another. It was not just their pen and paper and their opinions. The Holy Spirit moved upon them. Paul told Timothy something very similar about the Old Testament scriptures in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. He says, all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Don't you want to be equipped for every good work? Everything that God calls you and I to do, this book will equip us. The Holy Spirit will affirm in our life and further move us to accomplish to fulfill, to obey what God's word says. But notice what Paul says to Timothy. All scripture is God-breathed. Now we have to think through that because today the scriptures are being attacked as though they're not really from God, as though there's something flawed, there's something wrong with them. And I want you just to remember this as we consider what we're talking about today. When the Bible says all scripture is God-breathed, we have a choice that we need to make. Either we believe that the scriptures are God-breathed from God or we don't. But there is no in-between. That claim is as divine as somebody standing up here saying they're Jesus Christ. Which, if I did that, you should walk out. All right, that amen was kind of light. Balcony people, can I get an amen? Amen. All right, I like you too. All scripture is God-breathed. It's a yes or a no. There's no maybe so. That's a divine claim. For whatever reason, you know, C.S. Lewis uh, used to say this about the claims of Jesus Christ in one of his books. He would say, either he's a liar, he's a lunatic, or he's a Lord. But we have to make a decision because the claims of Christ are of divine nature. Jesus claims, I am that I am. He is equating himself with God. The, the, the religious leaders of his day wanted to kill him for making divine claims of equating himself to be God. The scriptures, Paul is talking about the scriptures in the same way. There is a divine claim that this word is from God. So we can't just think of this book as a decent book because if it's not true, if what Paul said about the word of God is not true, then let's throw it all out. Because it's claiming that it is from God. And so you can't use this. Well, it's kind of a good book. A little bit of it here and there. You know what that's like? That's like, I think it's our third president of the United States. You know, Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson did not believe that the New Testament writers were uh, reliable. And so what he did was he actually, he actually went through all the gospels, Matthew, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and he just took some scissors and he just, he just cut out what he didn't like. Because when you don't think the New Testament writers are reliable, guess what? You can make your own version. And so that's exactly what he did. And he came up with this little book called The Teachings and the Morals of Jesus of Nazareth. Isn't that convenient? (laughs) And I think that's just ridiculous because if it's not reliable, then all of it's not reliable. Liar, lunatic, or Lord. Truly from God or not. But see, each one of us gets to make that decision. From our church, we teach very clearly, definitively, that the Bible is God's word. I don't care if it's not popular today. Listen, that's never going to change from this guy. And trust me, I've had lots of debates, lovingly. (laughs) Can I encourage you as, as Christians, as Christ followers, if you do not know how the Bible was formed, how the Bible came to being, if you if you've never if you've never gone through that journey. 
I, I want to encourage you. All you got to do is email me and I'll send you some books that will just sum up how the Bible came into being. I have a whole class on it that I used to do called How to Study the Bible. And it's so important that you and I, when we stake our life on this book and we say that this is God's word, whenever we get challenged by people and say, well, you know, there's a lot of errors and there's a lot of this, when we don't know how to answer some of the criticisms that come, I would encourage you to spend some time understanding how the Bible came into being and what the answers to those questions and those criticisms really are because it's important. The enemy might want to just try to knock us off of our belief system and the more that we dig deeper and the farther that we go, I'm telling you, the more you will be convinced, convinced, convinced. Because I've dug pretty deep and all it's ever done is fortify my belief in the scripture. All scripture is God-breathed. This is what we have on our shelves. This is what we have in our hands. It's from God. It's incredible. We know that the apostles affirmed the Old Testament scriptures as God's unique voice, but what about the New Testament? Because people do say, yes, yes. That was, the interpretation of that tongue was preach it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I really do. What about the New Testament? First Thessalonians chapter four, verse two, Paul writes, to the church at at Thessalonica, and he says, for you know what commandments we gave to you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. Commandments by the authority of Jesus, divine claim. Look at verse eight in 1 Thessalonians 4. So he who rejects this is not rejecting man, but rejecting God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Do you call that a divine claim? If I stood up here and I said, God spoke to me, and then I told you what he said, and I said, if you reject what I'm saying today, you're not rejecting me, you're rejecting God, would you walk out? You'd pray about it, wouldn't you? No, 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 I mean, that's a divine claim. If you reject what I'm writing to you, you're not rejecting me, the one that wrote it. You're rejecting God who gave it. That's a divine claim. What does that mean? It means that Paul knew he was writing scripture. He understood that. Sometimes people question that, but he actually knew. He says the same thing in 1 Corinthians 7 as well. He says, not I speaking, but the Lord. He's making a divine claim. Peter affirms that Paul's writings are equal to scripture. We see that in 2 Peter 3.15. He actually talks about Paul's writings as scripture. We, see, we read the same thing in the book of Revelation where the apostle John wrote chapter 22, verse 18 through 19. You may have heard this verse before, but John writes, I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of, of this book, the book of Revelation. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues which are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of this book, of this prophecy, God will take away his part from the tree of life and from the holy city, which are written in this book. That's a very sober passage of scripture. We're not going to get that on a Christmas card. You're not going to get that as a tagline on your email. Can you imagine somebody sending an email with that as a tagline? No, me neither. That was not, not at all. Like, Pastor Ben, I can't. No. This is a very serious claim that he makes. Now, sometimes people will use that to say, if you add to the Bible, he's just talking about the book of Revelation, but it's a very serious claim. This shows us that from Genesis to Revelation, the Bible is the unique voice of God for all people in every generation. It is unchanging. I've said this many, many times. Let me read you a quote from a really good book. It's a good book. It's not the book. When God spoke to the writers of scripture, He made sure that there was 100% clarity in their receiving of revelation, 
100% accuracy in their writing of his revelation. For scripture to be written as the eternal word or voice of God, there could be no misunderstanding or wrong interpretations involved. This is not to suggest that God doesn't care about the clarity in which we hear him today, but rather I want to emphasize the sovereignty of God over the process of forming scripture and God did not allow the Bible to be wrong, and therefore it is in a, in a category of hearing from God all on its own. It's unique, and our desire is that everyone would honor it as such. I, li- I like that quote. That was really good. <laughs> we are seeking to hear God personally within the parameters of what the scriptures teach. So that leads us to uh, an, an obvious question and conclusion. How does the voice of the Spirit harmonize with the Bible, because they do work together. And I want to tell you how I was convinced of how this all works. I want to show you a passage of scripture that to me is absolutely undeniable about the two working together in the time that I have. Acts chapter 16, verse 6, Paul is on his first missionary journey, and they're traveling around, preaching the gospel, planting churches. This is what it says, verse 6, chapter 16 of the book of Acts. They they passed through... Phrygian and Galatian region, the Phrygian and Galatian region, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And after they came to Mycenae, they were trying to go into Bithynia, and the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. And passing Mycenae, they came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing and appealing to him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. When he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So putting out to sea from Troas, we ran a straight course there. And then it goes on to just talk about their journey. What I want to show you from this passage is that Paul was familiar with the Old Testament entirely. He was a Pharisee. He understood the Old Testament. They had to memorize aspects of the Torah from his youth. He had to do this. He knew the Old Testament. He understood it. He just didn't, until he met Jesus, he didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. And then obviously all of the Old Testament scriptures made sense because he had a revelation of Jesus as the one that the scriptures talk about and prophesy about. Now Paul has spent at least 14 months in Antioch, many, many, several years before that, understanding the apostles' doctrine. So here's a man that knows the Old Testament. He understands the apostles' doctrine. He knows the Great Commission. Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you until the end of the age. Paul knew all of this. And so he is on his missionary journey. He is doing what God has called him and all of us to do. But isn't it interesting when you read this passage that as he's going into Asia, these different cities, it says the Holy Spirit forbid him to speak the word in Asia. Look at here's a guy who knew the word and he was obeying the word, but the Holy Spirit guided him where to go. And this is exactly what we're talking about today. The fact is, is that we need the word to know what we are called to do and what God has said and how to understand this whole, this whole thing that God has laid out for us. He is the creator. We are the created ones, his plan of salvation. But now we need the voice of the spirit to guide us into the way in which he wants us to obey him in the world in which we live, the generation that we are a part of. And you see it again and again and again and again in the book of Acts. 
And right here in this passage, he forbid us, the Holy Spirit forbid Paul to speak in Bithynia. And then he has a vision in the middle of the night of a man from Macedonia saying, come over here. And it says that Luke's the one that's writing here. And he says, and we concluded that the Lord wanted us to go to Macedonia. I mean, it's like, hello. Of course you did. This was the Holy Spirit speaking, guiding them. This is what I'm trying to show us today, is that the word of God is necessary, and it has its purpose, and the voice of the Spirit is necessary. Can we just declare that we want to be a people of the word and a people of the Spirit, that this is exactly what God has called us to go after, not just one or the other, but both, because they do, in fact, work Together, And I think there's a lot of confusion out there because people have taught a misunderstanding of what people like myself even believe when we approach a topic like this, which is why I'm being utterly annoying by being over redundant again and again and again, because it's important. The word and the spirit, they work together like an orchestra, like a, like 70 instruments that beautifully work together to play a masterpiece And could you imagine if just one of those instruments just went off and did their own thing? Just all of a sudden, just a solo? (laughs) You would be drawn away from the beauty of what the orchestra was playing to see that one person. And you know, that's exactly what happens to us in our generation when somebody stands up and said, God is speaking to me. And it's off. It's weird, it's strange, and it's odd because it's like that one person in an orchestra of 70 instruments playing to their own tune. That's exactly what it sounds like when a person says, well, that's not the God that I serve when they don't know the book well enough to understand how it all works together. I I love to talk about all the confusing things in scripture. I love to study all that stuff. I love to get challenged about aspects of the Bible, the Canaanite conquest and people challenging me on the idea that God's a murderer that he committed some kind of genocide and he actually affirmed it, he commissioned it. I love to talk about that because you know what I find when people make those comments that they haven't looked deep enough to understand what actually really happened. That's really what this is. Whenever we find a conflict in scripture, it is an invitation for us to go deeper about about what we do not know. That's what it is. Anybody have any questions about the Bible? Be honest with me, come on, I got a few. I'm not asking you if you believe it. I'm asking you if there are things that you want to need to go deeper on, understand. But of course, nobody should feel shame about that. But the question is, are we receiving the invitation to go deeper in the word and understand it better because we know that it's God breathed? Are we seeking the voice of the Holy Spirit in our life to have illumination and revelation of his word and also that personal direction that he wants to give us and how it is that we're supposed to live out our life. You know, it really does show the lordship of Jesus in our life when we're seeking the voice of the spirit, even when we just wake up in the morning and ask him to speak to our hearts. What, what is on your heart today? How can I pray? How can I obey what you, what you want me to do? We just given our life back to him and saying, direct me, lead me, speak to me, help me to hear your voice rather than just get up and, move into the day without even considering. We don't want to be the instrument that plays to its own tune. We want to be a people of the word and a people of the spirit. You can know, in a natural sense, you can know the Bible without knowing the author, but you can't know the author without knowing the Bible. They work together in a very beautiful way. 
And this is what we're after today. Let me just go ahead and make some declarations as a church. And at the end of them, I'll just ask you to say amen if you believe what I'm saying. Number one, we believe in the authority of scripture for all people for every generation. We believe that the Holy Spirit speaks to us within the parameters of his written word. We believe that we must be a people who study the Bible and depend on the Holy Spirit. We believe that God's voice from scripture takes precedence over what we think we are hearing. Absolutely. We believe that the Bible and the voice of the Holy Spirit work together so that we would bear fruit and bring God glory. Amen and amen. This is what we believe. This is what we're going after. This is what we're talking about when we say that God speaks today. Now, let me encourage you before we depart, because we must do that in just a few moments. I want to encourage you to be men and women of the word. Now, if you are already committed to a way of life where you study God's word, Keep doing what you're doing. But many years ago, I was encouraged to, uh, in fact, 20 years ago, I was encouraged to read the Bible all the way through. So for 20 years, every year, I have read the Bible all the way through. Now, I'm just telling you my practice. I'm just letting you into to my way. I don't know another way of discipleship. But for 20 years, I have read the Bible all the way through. And I have taught all of my kids to do the same thing. Kicking and screaming, absolutely. That's legalistic. I don't care. I feel the same way about us having to eat food every day. And they don't complain about that. It's just Dixon's. That's what we say in our home. We get up, just, I brought my son in this morning. He's 11. And I said, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to get into the word together. And that's exactly what we did. But he knows what, what that means because we've discipled a specific way. I've been using a specific Bible reading plan for over 10 years. When I came to this church, there was one in place called the OSL plan because we have Operation Solid Live. So I switched to our plan to unite with the people. <laughs> but I wanted to make sure that we had some resources. So I had our team put together this bookmark that shows what you can be reading every day. And if you read through this plan, you will go through the Old Testament once and the New Testament twice in a year. I've been doing that for over 10 years. I've been reading through the Bible. And you know what happens? You become familiar with scripture. And it's like tuning your instrument. When something's out of tune or somebody's saying something, you go, that's not what the Bible says. Not because you're trying to correct everyone, but you're reading it, you're consuming it. You know, you're, you're eating, you're feeding on the word every day and you know what it says. You're, you're challenged by it all the time. You're being exposed to it. And you know when someone says something that doesn't sound quite right, and, that, and that's, that's the whole point. I want to encourage you, if you don't have a Bible reading plan, it's going to be a lot harder for you to read through the Bible. So I want to encourage you to, to use this plan. If you already have a plan, awesome. I'm not trying to convince you that it's about the plan. It's just about having one. And so as a church, we're just going to continue to put this in front of you so that we could do this together. And the beautiful thing about this is that when we're at our dinner table, my wife reads the same plan. My two kids read the same plan. We started our kids with reading And then we move them to writing a scripture out. So whatever scripture out of the four chapters that you read, just write it out. And then my daughter's 13, so she's now writing observations. And we're just moving them through the inductive Bible study plan. It starts with just reading, and then it moves to observation, interpretation, and application. This is a discipleship that I've used for my home since our older kids were were younger. And this is what I think can work for all of us as we familiarize ourselves with God's word. If we say it, it is his word. 
that it has got to go deep in our lives. That means that we plan, we make time, we make room, and we don't compromise. It's the most important meeting of our day. We put it in our iPhone calendar. We do whatever we gotta do. Let me encourage you to do just that. Can I do that this morning? Can we ask that the Holy Spirit would stir us up to be a people of his word? I'll tell you this, the more we're reading this, the more we're hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. I can tell you that for sure. Pastor Ben, how do I hear the voice of the Holy Spirit? Get more of this in you and you'll start to recognize his voice. You'll also start to recognize the enemy because the more we know the real thing, the easier it is to pick off the sleazy salesman. You know what I'm talking about. The devil is a liar. (laughs) I got to stop. Don't want to listen to the sleazy salesman. I'm not buying what he's selling. And um, hope you kept your receipt because you're going to have to take some things back once you get into this book. (laughs) Realizing those clothes don't fit no more. I want to encourage us to be a people of the word. I want to encourage us to be a people that listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit, convinced, believing based on the word that he is speaking to us, communicating to us. Everybody say amen. Amen. Okay. Now, before every service I pray and I ask the Holy Spirit to to show me things about people and, and, and whatever he wants to say. I don't, you can't ask, you can't demand God tell you what you want, you just, you just open your heart. Lord, what do you want to, what do you want to say? And um, there's, uh, okay, so, sir, yes, you right on the corner there? Yes, I, we have, we have, I don't think we've met. I like you already though. Yeah, and I don't want to, I don't want to embarrass you, but I've just, I was praying and I felt like the Lord put a word in my heart for you. You mind if I share it? Yeah, it's not embarrassing at all. And so, um, I saw like this picture of, um, something that you had built, you had constructed something and it was, uh, in its time, it was, it was wonderful, it was this great thing and uh, it's kind of like woodworking or something like that and you had, you had built something and then over time, you know, it was outside and the seasons caused it to be weathered and it got damaged over a period of time and I saw you look at this, it looked like a house or some kind of thing that it, it, it was that you had built or a shed and, it, and you looked at it, it was weathered, it was damaged, it wasn't what it used to be and I, and I just felt like there was this question, like, what should, I, what should I do with this? You know, should I rebuild it or should I just scrap it or whatever? And as I was watching this picture, I had no idea what it meant. I just, I just saw it. I saw it as clear as I'm looking at you right now in my, in my mind. And here's what I felt like the Lord put in my heart for you, is that there's coming a season in your life where God's going to help you to rebuild things that you've once been involved in, things that you've once done. And you're going to see a massive amount of fruit as you put your hand to the things that you once did, but now in this season of life, God's going to help you rebuild. And there's a word over you right now, and it's rebuild. Rebuild, rebuild, rebuild. It's not a lack of what you've done or a lack of what you're doing. It's a new energy. It's a new sort of um, word from the Lord that he's going to help you to rebuild things that once were successful, that once had a lot of fruit, that once had a lot of meaning, he's going to help you to rebuild things that are going to be stronger, that are going to be better, that are going to be more meaningful. And I think some of that has to do with relationships. I think some of that has to do with uh, even things that were, I, I, would, I would dare to say like 15 years ago, some things that are, are way back and the Lord's going to give you just this new 
gusto, this new energy to rebuild. And so, Father, we just pray right now over our friend. Uh, sir, I forgot, your, I don't even know your name, but I'm just praying. In Jesus' name, Lord, we, we speak the word rebuild. Rebuild, rebuild in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you, Lord, that you're going to strengthen his hands. I, we speak Ephesians 6.10 over you right now. Be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. God will strengthen you and give you everything you need to do what he calls you to do, to be a rebuilder in this season. Thank you, Lord, that you're committing your power to walking with him, to doing all that you say. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And God's people said, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for letting me share that. Will you stand as we pray together? I have a lot more, but I gotta send you out. Thank you, Lord. Father, we pray and we ask you that you would fill us and baptize us with the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord. Strengthen us with your word. I, I just pray that even in our frame, even in our mindset, even in our heart today, that we would be strengthened, that your word is truth, and that you would just push lies out. May they be evicted from our mind. May they be evicted from our heart. Popular ideas, philosophy, Lord, let it be usurped by the truth of your word. We pray, God, that you would strengthen us as your people to say that your word is truth and other things are lies. We thank you, Lord, that we also are a people of the Holy Spirit. And I pray that our ears would hear, that our eyes would see, and that our hearts would be committed to all that you say to us. As a people, may the testimony in this house and in our homes be that we're a people of the word and we're a people of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. As you go, be strengthened by God's word, be filled with God's spirit, be mindful of God's voice, be focused on his mission as we bring Jesus to people and people to Jesus. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about Ignite Global Ministries, please go to our website, igniteglobalministries.org. And while you're there, check out our Immersion Discipleship School and the books Pastor Ben has written.